0: The Peter Schiff show. They always say that nobody rings a bell at the top, and that saying relates to uh, the stock market, investors, you know, there's never a clear warning sign supposedly of when they get out. But my experience is actually the opposite. I think there's a lot of bells that get rung. Uh, not necessarily at the very top, but certainly close to it. It's just that they're ignored, or if they're heard, they're rationalized away. Another such bell was wrong overnight. We had a Bloomberg report early this morning coming out of China that the Chinese government was going to stop buying U.S. treasuries. Now, this is potentially an ominous sign Because, A, China is the largest buyer and owner of U.S. Treasuries in the world. But, B, we just cut taxes. We cut taxes and not spending. So we are financing these tax cuts by borrowing more money, by running bigger deficits, by selling more bonds. And if the largest buyer and owner of those bonds is saying no mas, well, then that is a big problem. Because who is going to step up to replace the Chinese? But also, if the Chinese aren't going to buy, who else isn't going to buy? I mean, why would anybody want to buy U.S. Treasuries? I mean, even if you didn't harbor the gloom and doom type perspective that I do, right, if you're just your typical investor who's just looking at historic bond prices, why would you want to buy U.S. Treasuries now? I mean, aren't there other assets that you would rather own than extremely low-yielding U.S. Treasury bonds? So if the Chinese don't want to buy, it stands to reason a lot of other people don't want to buy either, especially if they know the Chinese are not buying. But of course, if the Chinese are not buying, does that mean they're selling? I mean, if they don't think treasuries are worth buying, well, are they worth owning? You would think that if they don't want to buy anymore, that means that they want to sell. You know, in fact, when Wall Street puts a hold on something, that means sell, right? So if China is putting a hold on U.S. Treasuries, that means get the hell out of U.S. Treasuries because the Chinese want to sell. And of course, you know, they're probably not going to want to say that they want to sell if that's what they want to do. I mean, it's even amazing that they would acknowledge that they're not going to buy anymore. Maybe somehow that slipped out. And who knows? They may even deny that. But that would make sense because you don't want the price to go down if you want to sell. I mean, if you're just going to stop buying, then I suppose it doesn't really matter. You could just hold your treasuries till maturity. And that's another thing. The Chinese don't have to necessarily sell their treasuries. They just let them mature. After all, that's what the Federal Reserve is claiming it's going to do with its own balance sheet, right? It's going to shrink its balance sheet, in theory, by not rolling over maturing securities. Well, the Chinese government can do the same thing. Hey, if they're saying they're not going to buy anymore, that might mean that we're not going to replace the bonds that mature. We're just going to ask for our money back. Well, where is government going to get it? Where is the U.S. Treasury going to get China's money back? If China's not going to loan it to them again, if the Federal Reserve isn't loaning it again, where are they going to get the money? They can't. They can't get it from anywhere. That is the problem. You know, it's amazing how few people are worried about a problem so potentially ominous as this one. Remember, nobody was worried about the 2008 financial crisis, right? Nobody, I mean, you could turn on uh, financial television, look at all these experts, and nobody was worried. I was the only guy. And to the extent that I said anything about what was going to happen, I got laughed at. Now, you don't even have that. You know, I even remember, too, some of these stations, Fox or CNBC, when they were criticized, about all their coverage of how great everything was in 06 and 07 and 08. And they said, hey, why didn't you warn anybody? Why didn't you have any coverage? They would actually point to the fact that they had me on. They would say, well, we had Peter Schiff on. So it wasn't like, you know, we didn't have anybody on that was saying bad things were going to happen. Well, they're not going to be able to say that next time because they don't have me on anymore. They don't have anybody on really that is, is pointing out what should be obvious to all their other guests But all their other guests are missing an even bigger crisis than they missed before. Again, what was the financial crisis about? It was about too much debt, right? People took out too much debt. Well, we got even more debt now than we had then. And a big problem was rising interest rates. Now, when it came to the financial crisis, the housing crisis started that. And what happened there? And I pointed this out for years. And it had to do with teaser rates. People were buying homes that they really couldn't afford, but they could afford to make the payments on the teaser rate. They had an introductory rate for the first couple of years. They had very low payments. Now, after a couple of years, the prices were going to reset or the rates would reset to a level that was much higher and to levels that most buyers couldn't afford. And I was pointing out that the reason people were buying houses Knowing that they couldn't pay the mortgage in a couple of years was because they thought the price was going to go up and they would profit. They would refinance into another loan with another teaser rate or they would just sell their house and cash in on their guaranteed profit because after all, real estate could only go up. And so I knew that eventually higher payments on mortgages were going to prick this bubble. And that is exactly what happened. Well, that's what's happened now, only on a bigger scale. The United States Treasury has a teaser rate on a $21 trillion national debt. And what the Chinese are saying with this bell that they're ringing is that that teaser rate may be expiring soon. And interest rates may be going back to normal. In fact, not only back to normal, they're going to go much higher than normal. Because first of all, when you have a pendulum, right, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't stop in the middle. When it goes all the way to one side and then it swings back, it goes in an equal distance to the other side. So if we're going from ridiculously low interest rates, record low interest rates, basically, we could go to record high interest rates. Or even if we don't go to record high interest rates, at least historically high, right? We can go from being historically low to being historically high. But if we only go to being historically normal or average, that is a catastrophe. You see, the people who are ignoring this problem, they have to assume that interest rates will never normalize, that these ridiculously low interest rates that we have are gonna stay here forever. Now, that seems to be a crazy assumption, right? What's more crazy? To assume that interest rates will eventually go back to normal or to assume that they're never going to go back to normal. But that is what you have to assume, the latter. You have to assume that interest rates will never normalize in order for you to not acknowledge that we're headed for a major economic crisis. Because what happens if interest rates normalize? Well, everything collapses. Just like people couldn't afford payments on their subprime mortgages when their teaser rates expired, You know, the U.S. Treasury cannot afford to pay Uh, Higher interest rates on the national debt when their teaser rate expires and it can expire very quickly Sure, and in response to China's announcement the Treasury bond market was initially down It managed to recoup most of its losses early morning losses But yields still edged higher on the day bond prices are lower and bond prices uh, Have been falling and yields rising now. There's a nice steady trend if you look at the 30 year, we're just at 2.9%. We were at 2.7% in late December. On the 10 year, we're now up to 2.55. We were at like 2.1 in September of last year. But in December, we were about two, two and a half, and now we're two five and a half. So that you know that's a meaningful increase. But if you look at a chart, we could have an explosive increase in interest rates, which is going to be an enormous tax hike on the U.S. economy, on the U.S. government, which is much bigger than the tax cuts that the Republicans just passed. I've been talking about this, the impact, the drain on the economy of rising interest rates. I mean, if falling interest rates were helping the economy, wouldn't a rise in interest rates hurt the economy? You better believe it. Also, it's not just interest rates. Look at what's happening to oil prices. I've been talking about that. Oil prices now hit a new high for the four years. I think 63.54 was the high earlier this morning. I think we, we ran out about 63.30, but we took out the resistance. I said there was some resistance at 62.75, and a close above that, I think we could see a quick move up to $80 oil. Nobody really believes this bull market. Almost all the coverage I'm reading. Are about how these oil prices are unsustainable above 60. That the price is going to come down. I don't think so. I think we're now climbing a wall of worry, and I think we're going to start climbing it more quickly. The dollar is headed down again. The dollar sold off as a result of this China announcement. It recouped some of its gains, uh, but still negative on the day. We're still holding above a 92 handle, but we won't be at a 92 handle for long, particularly against the Chinese currency. I mentioned. In my earlier podcast, I expect the U.S. dollar to hit a new all-time record low this year against the Chinese yuan. We had the biggest drop in nine years last year, and I think now the dollar is poised to fall to a record low. And that would make sense, right? If the Chinese know their currency is going to be appreciating, why would they want to buy U.S. treasuries? It's a guaranteed loser. I mean, it's a guaranteed loser for everybody to buy U.S. treasuries. But how do all the people who justify the Dow at 25000 how do they do that? They justify it by relating it to interest rates. They say, well, the market is not overvalued if you compare it to the bond market. Yeah, but the bond market is at a record overvaluation. How can you say stocks aren't overvalued when they're compared to bonds when the bond market is a bubble? Because what you said is, well, if the bond bubble pops, then the stock bubble is going to pop too. And that is exactly what we are staring at. Yet you have these warning signs, just like we had in 2007. Look, I had been warning about the housing bubble and all the problems that the Fed was creating by inflating that bubble. In 2002, and 2003, and 2004, and 2005, I saw it coming from a mile away. And I was warning about it so often and for so long that by the time we got to 2007, right, nobody believed me. Oh, Peter, you've been saying this stuff for years. But you know what happened in 2007? All this stuff started to happen, and still nobody could get it, right? You had the bankruptcy of Lehman Brothers, bankruptcy of Bear Stearns. You had a lot of these subprime lenders that were, that were going bankrupt. You had the whole subprime implosion. Yet in 2008, after all this stuff had happened, early 2008, everybody was like, nothing to worry about. I was still getting laughed at. You look at my CNBC or Fox appearances from 2008. After so much of what I had predicted had already come true, and they're still making fun of me. They're still laughing at me. Oh, Peter, you don't know what you're talking about. And I would point out all these things that had happened in 2007, and they would say, and so what? And nothing bad has happened, right? All the subprime skeletons are out of the closet, and nothing bad has happened. You've been coming on these shows warning and warning, and yes, all these bad things have happened, and nothing has happened. The Dow is fine. The economy is fine. The problems are contained. It's a tiny problem in subprime. But this is what these guys were saying. This is how I feel now. Because so many of the things that I have been warning about, right, the problems we're going to have in the bond market, the problems we're going to have in the dollar, problems we're going to have with inflation, they're all just getting ready to get started. This is the beginning. So this, to me, in my mind, is 2007. 2007 is where everything I was saying for years got validated. Now, of course, we didn't have the collapse until 2008 of you know the financial crisis. But to me, finally, by 2007, I was like, OK, I'm right, right. All the things that I've been saying, it's everybody else that's been wrong. That's how I feel right now. Enough stuff is happening. We are close enough to a major financial crisis right, that I'm like, OK, I was right. right? All these tough years of, you know, of, of waiting it out and preparing my clients, I'm right. I'm about to be vindicated. And the crowd, the conventional wisdom, is just as oblivious to all of these signs. How can people not be worried about the potential of a major increase in interest rates? Just because it hasn't happened, why wouldn't it happen? I mean, think about it. We have a lot more debt now. The national debt is more than twice as big as it was in 2008. Why should interest rates be lower today than they were in 2008? I mean, normally... The more money you borrow, right, the the deeper in debt you are, the more lenders are concerned about loaning you more money and the more they demand higher interest rates to compensate them. Look, stock prices are higher than they were in 2008, right? Bond prices are higher than they were in 2008 before the crisis. Our budget deficits are bigger today than they were before the financial crisis. So stock prices are higher. Bond prices are higher. Budget deficits are higher. We're borrowing more money. Our savings rate, you know, we just hit a 10-year low in our savings rate. So Americans don't have any money. Nobody has any spare money to loan the U.S. Treasury. We have record low savings. Companies and individuals are already loaded up. We have record credit card debt, record student loans, record auto debt. Why are interest rates this low? It makes no sense. Interest rates should be a lot higher. And they will be a lot higher. And the adjustment, I think from really low to normal is going to happen very quickly, right? Because all of a sudden, a bunch of people that own bonds are going to want to get rid of them, and there's going to be nobody who's going to want to buy them. And we're going to have a major upward adjustment in interest rates very, very quickly, right? Rates are going to creep higher until they spike higher. And then we're going to have some kind of crash in the stock market, right? Because all of a sudden, it's no longer fairly valued. Now it's way overvalued because now the benchmark that you're comparing it to, the bond market, has changed, And then, of course, if I am right, right, this weakness in the dollar, which means higher interest rates, higher consumer prices, higher gas prices, higher food prices, higher insurance prices, the cost of living is going up. Americans are paying more for everything they buy. Oh, the tax cuts are going to be lost in the noise. They're going to be overwhelmed by an increase in our cost of living. And the tax cuts are only going to make a small dent. In that, meanwhile, the government's going to have to be borrowing even more money to finance this. This is a perfect economic storm that we are heading for, and yet everybody looks out and says, "Oh, nothing to worry about. It's clear sailing. There's no, nothing on the horizon. Exactly the way they were in uh, in, in 2007 up to the summer of 2008." Now, again, what do I think is going to happen as a result of the impending implosion of the bond market? I do not think the Federal Reserve is going to sit idly by and watch the air come out of the bubble that they have been, you know, blowing so carefully for all these years. So what are they going to do? They are going to step up and buy. You know, people are saying, who's going to buy the bonds if the Chinese don't buy? The Fed. That's who's going to buy them. Right. The Fed's the only buyer in town. That's QE4. And I've been saying that QE4 is going to be bigger than QE1, 2, and 3 combined, and it will be. And here's the problem, right? Because when the Fed has to reverse course, because if the Fed's going to start buying more bonds, then you could say goodbye to shrinking the balance sheet, right? Which I've said all along is never going to happen. So the Fed has to change policy from shrinking the balance sheet to expanding the balance sheet. Even if they don't move interest rates, that is a massive cut, right? That is an easing of monetary policy. You're going from shrinking your balance sheet to blowing it you know, uh, way you know, up much, much more, that's going to crush the dollar even more. That's going to put even more pressure on the bond market. That's going to put more upward pressure on commodity prices like oil that's already rising. You know, Oil did not collapse because of our boom uh, in production from shale oil. It collapsed because the dollar soared. That's what happened. The dollar went way up. And that crushed demand for oil every place but the United States. Remember, when the dollar goes up, that's a tax hike on the whole world, especially the emerging markets. They need dollars to buy commodities, and they borrow in dollars. The dollar goes up. Their debts are more expensive to repay. They're more expensive to service. It's a big drag on the economy. When the dollar falls, that's a massive tax cut for these countries. And now they have more money to go and spend on other things. But what they're not going to be spending the money on is U.S. Treasuries. They made the mistake in 2011 and 2012 of buying a bunch of treasuries. They're not going to double down on that same mistake, especially if the biggest holder of treasuries is no longer buying. And it's probably going to be selling, which is what they mean when they say we're not going to buy anymore because they own so many. When they mature, they're just going to let them mature and they're going to say we'd like our money back. And, of course, as I said, the treasury doesn't have the money back. It has to borrow it from somebody. Who is it going to borrow it from? It's going to borrow it from the Fed. So when we go to another round of quantitative easing, the bottom drops out. This whole thing is going to implode. And again, now the Fed is going to find itself in a very, very dangerous position because it's going to be buying treasuries right, to try to keep treasury rates from rising. So what happens to yields on muni bonds? They start to go way up because as inflation picks up, right? when people were thinking, oh, inflation is 1% or 2%, Okay, they could buy bonds yielding 3 or 4%. But what if the weak dollar and rising commodity prices, inflation becomes 5%, right? Is anyone going to buy a bond yielding 3 or 4% when there's 5% inflation? No. All right, so now the yields on munis have to go way up, maybe 7 or 8%. Well, the municipalities can't afford to pay those yields. So now what? Is the Federal Reserve going to start monetizing muni bonds? They're going to have to. Otherwise, there's going to be massive collapses there. What about... For corporate bonds, do you think corporations could afford to have a huge increase in interest rates? No, they can't. So now is the Federal Reserve going to start buying corporate bonds? Maybe, right? They're going to have to buy all the bonds that they want to keep the yields artificially low. Otherwise, the yields are going to skyrocket on anything the Fed is not buying. And so this whole thing is going to implode. What about for consumer credit, for auto loans, for credit card debt? Rates are going to be pressured up because anything the Fed buys, if they're, that means if they're creating a lot more inflation, which is putting more pressure on the stuff they're not buying. So there is no escaping this. This is a massive financial economic crisis, currency crisis on an order of magnitude substantially bigger than what we saw in 2008. And in fact, it's because of 2008 that this is going to happen because we wouldn't deal with the problem then, right? Because instead of fixing a problem. That was the result of too much debt and keeping interest rates too low. We decided to bury it under a mountain of even more debt. So we kept interest rates lower for longer, and we blew up an even bigger problem. And yet everybody believes that we've actually solved the crisis. Like you're on a boat, and the boat is sinking because it's got some leaks and it's taking on water. And so you decide to put some more holes in the boat so it takes on even more water. And now you're convinced that now the boat's going to float even though, in fact, it's going to sink. Now, why there was a lag between all the extra holes that you blew up in the in, in the hull of the boat and all the extra water coming in to sink it, I don't know, but that's exactly what happened. And I am 100% confident that I am right on this and I am going to be vindicated. I just, you know, again, I wish I could have been on some of these TV shows because I would have had great footage. You know, all, all this, the warnings that I'm given now, they're just on my podcast, right? Because nobody will let me on Television to warn about it now. I mean, I do some television internationally, but not in the United States. You know, the, the, the U.S. producers won't even have me on. I guess that's how convinced. Maybe in two thousand and five and two thousand and six, it's oh maybe there's a chance this guy's right. He's probably not right, but let's have him on anyway because you know, let's let's at least have some balance." Now they're like, "Ah, oh, there's no way this guy's right. He's completely wrong." And what's the point of even having them on, right? There's the producers are so convinced there's nothing to worry about that there's no point even having somebody on that might, you know, sound the alarm when they think there's no there's no problem. They're so they believe in it. This market is more hyped up than it's ever been before. So the only place people are hearing about the problem now is if they happen to tune in to my podcast. Now there, there are some other people too that are probably warning about it and they're also not on Bloomberg or CNBC or CNN or Fox, you know, they're doing their podcast, right? All you get in the main media is fake news. Now, I don't know, maybe after everything implodes, uh, maybe maybe some of these uh, networks will start inviting me back on again. But of course, that'll be too late for their viewers because they would have already been clobbered. But you know, what really also bothers me about this crazy enthusiasm, and I've talked about this on the podcast, is the number of my own clients who are getting sucked up in the hype. I mean, every day, Uh, There's another client who is, you know, leaving Europe Pacific. They're transferring out their accounts. And when I talk to these people, it's the same old story every time. Um, I've been with you five years. Uh, You know, I could have made a lot more money if I was in the U.S. stock market. I sent you money because I was worried about the U.S. economy and I I wanted a hedge, but I'm not worried anymore. The economy is fine. The economy is doing great. The stock market is booming. So why should I have any money abroad? You know, we have a Republican president. There's no reason to have money invested offshore. There's no reason to own any gold stocks. I'm just going to buy the stock market. And it's, you know, it's so, you know, frustrates me. But at the same time, it just reassures me how right I am. It's like every time I lose a client, I realize how much more money I am going to make. Right? Because I mean, most of my income is going to come on the gains on my own portfolio. Sure, I make money managing money for other people, but I think the lion's share of my income over the next five years is just going to come from the profits on my own investments. And the more people that I see you know, giving up on a strategy that I know that's going to work and jumping into the top of a bubble. I mean, the people, the arguments that people are making to me today— are the same exact arguments that were made to me in 2000 when George Bush was elected. Oh, you know, we don't have a Democrat anymore. Now, the U.S. economy, I sent you money. I was worried about Clinton. I was worried about the Democrats. I was, "Yo, oh, I'm not worried anymore. We got a Republican. He's going to cut taxes. He's going to cut regulation. It's time to buy. The, the Nasdaq's at 5,000. It's time to get in. The Dow's, you know, everything is great. I don't need to be in gold stocks anymore. Gold's gone nowhere, right? The, well, that was the worst thing you could do. Right, buying the market when Bush was elected was the worst thing you could do. What was the best thing you could do when Bush was elected? What could you do? buy? Oil, buy gold, buy emerging markets, you know, buy foreign currencies. Those are the best things you can do when we elected a Republican president who followed a two-term Democrat who presided over a bubble. Right, that's exactly what just happened. We have uh, Trump following a two-term Democrat who presided over a much bigger bubble than the one Clinton presided over. And the monetary policies of the eight years of Obama were so much more reckless than anything that Greenspan did. I mean, I've been a big critic of Greenspan, but compared to Bernanke and Yellen, he was Paul Volcker. And even Greenspan is out there now saying that we're headed for a major crisis. We're headed for stagflation. We have, a, you know, I mean, he can see it. He knows how bad this is going to be. He doesn't like to blame the Fed because, you know, you he, he can't throw a stone when you're in a glass house. But, you know, if you read between the lines, that's exactly what he's doing. Yet, you know, you have these clients, you know, jumping onto the U.S. stock market, right? They're looking in the rearview mirror and they're expecting what they see in their windshield for the next five years to look exactly what the last five years looked like through the rearview mirror. That's not what it's going to be like. It's going to be the opposite of that. In fact, I think the collapse in the US market, the collapse in the dollar, is just gonna be that much more spectacular because of what happened in the past five years. Because the dollar rallied before it collapses, it's collapsing from a higher level. Because it rallied, that lulled the world into a false sense of confidence that the Fed's policy worked. That their medicine, which is toxic, actually cured a patient that is now going to die. And so now we have bigger problems. We were allowed to take on much more debt, We never could have amassed the $21 trillion national debt, had the dollar tanked eight years ago, had the bond bubble collapsed back then, but because the dollar went up, because so many people bought into this nonsense, and now Trump inherits this mess, and again, he's only president because he appealed to so many people who are suffering as a result of all the policies that were needed to inflate this gigantic bubble. They did massive damage to the real economy, real Americans felt that damage and elected Trump, who promised to clean house and drain the swamp, who simply filled you know, poured more water into the same swamp, were continuing the same policies. And this whole thing is going to blow up on him. And if people thought they lost a lot of money under Bush in the market, where do they see how much money they're going to lose in Trump? Especially the people who are buying in now. Especially our you know, clients of mine who are putting their money in the U.S. stock market now. But again, I think the losses in the U.S. stock market are going to pale in comparison to the profits they miss out on by not being invested in the stocks that we own, not being invested overseas, not being in commodities, not being in gold, not being in emerging markets. The money that's going to be made there is going to much, be much bigger than the money that's going to be lost in the U.S. stock market. And part of the reason is going to be because of massive inflation, right? Whether it ends up being hyperinflation, that's still a worst case scenario, but it is still a scenario. It is a high probability or a probability scenario that nobody is contemplating. But the only way to avoid hyperinflation is a worse financial crisis than 2008. I mean, we would have to endure a financial crisis much worse than 2008 in order not to have hyperinflation, which, of course, is much, much worse uh, than 2008 or much worse than the financial crisis that would be necessary to prevent hyperinflation. So either way, it's going to be horrible, right? It's just a question of, you know, whether it's a complete catastrophe or just, you know, a near catastrophe, right? There's there's no graceful way out of this. And there's no way out of this where investors in U.S. stocks, bonds, or real estate are going to come out good. They're just not. It is impossible, right? But if you're out of the U.S. dollar, if you're out of U.S. assets, if you're in the countries that are going to benefit, believe me, a lot of countries are going to benefit from the implosion of the dollar because there are a lot of countries now that have to uh, suffer, that have to sacrifice in order to prop up the dollar. That have to work harder so that Americans don't have to work at all, that have to save more so that Americans can keep borrowing. So, as the standard of living in America goes down, it's going to rise in other parts of the world. People have to recognize uh, that this is about to happen and they need to position their portfolios. They need to be in the right investments. I mean, people should be increasing their accounts with me. People who have had accounts with me for four or five years should say, you know, I sent you money a while ago. And you know what it looks like all the things that we were worried about are about to hit the fan. I need to I need to go all in. Right? I need to really press this bet. That's what they should be doing. Instead of taking their bets down and going and going to this casino that they're going to, they should be, "Well, oh, I better I better put more money down." In fact, I should take money off of the table in the US stock market. I should, I should if I had money in US stocks, I should be selling them. I should be cashing in. I should be sending out money into the Euro Pacific so I can get it out of harm's way and so I can take advantage Of what's gonna happen and the irony again was that in 2008 I had been saying that the dollar is gonna crash the dollars gonna crash as a result of the financial crisis that I had predicted the financial crisis happened but the dollar crash hasn't happened yet that's still coming the initial reaction to the financial crisis was that the dollar went up right and then a lot of people say oh Peter see Peter was wrong see because even though he predicted the crisis you know his accounts went down because the dollar went up yes Initially, that's what happened. But I can tell you something about trading, that oftentimes the first move is a head fake. It's the wrong move. It gets everybody positioned in the wrong way before the market goes where it's going to go. Now, this time, it's on a longer time horizon. See, sometimes you can just be a day trader, and you can see that a market, some news will come out, and then the market spikes up for five minutes and then goes big the other way, right? You have a head fake, and then it goes the other way. Well, this is what's happening. It's playing out over a longer time period. So we had the financial crisis, and the initial knee-jerk move that took place over a number of years was a lot of money rushing into the dollar. Instead of going away from the blast, they initially ran towards the blast, right towards the explosion. But the real move is going to be the counter move the other way. When all the money runs away from the U.S. dollar, away from the U.S. bond market, away from U.S. assets entirely, we are just at the very beginning the very beginning of that and everything that I that I know, all of my experiences uh, uh, managing money, being in the markets, tell me that this is the time. So, again, you know, if you are a listener to to the podcast and you have an account with your Pacific Capital, add to it, send some more money in. Right. If you're one of the clients who are cashing out, assuming that you're still listening to the podcast, you know, don't come back before it's too late. You know, don't don't allow the losses in the U.S. market to get out of hand. But more importantly, you may not even see some of those losses because they may be buried beneath inflation. The losses may be in real terms. Look at the Dow in terms of the price of gold if you want to know what's happening, because the Dow is going to implode in terms of the price of gold. I think it's still going to go down in terms of dollars, but the dollar is going to be going down too. So when you're measuring stocks in dollars, it's a moving target and you're losing a lot more wealth than just the dollar value of your your brokerage statement so people should be sending more money in they should be buying more gold more physical gold that shift gold silver in particular i think the price of silver is going to explode i recently bought more physical silver myself uh and you know i'm already you know i have a lot of gold and silver stocks i think the mining stocks offer probably the most upside potential uh in uh, of all the stocks that i'm buying you know they carry more risk but i'm you know i'm very very confident that i'm right and i want that risk because with that risk comes the potential for enormous uh capital gains which i think are coming and of course since i live in puerto rico now those gains are going to be tax-free uh to me and so i want to maximize my capital gains and i think the way to do that is to own these stocks so other people should take advantage of this i don't know how much longer this is going to go right these warning signs are being ignored right but for how much longer? I mean, every night you could wake up and it could be a much bigger bombshell than just the Chinese are thinking about not buying more treasures. You could wake up and find out that they dumped a bunch of treasures on the market while you were asleep and everything is imploded. So rather than take that risk, uh, you should uh, protect yourself now right? and, and recognize all these signs. Read the writing on the wall. Listen to these warning bells. Because if you don't pay attention and you don't get this right, you are not going to get a second chance.